What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Life with Louis podcast. As always, I'm your host, Louis Ramos. Follow me on IG, Louis underscore freaking underscore Ramos, and on Twitter at the Louis podcast. Hope everybody had a great week from the last random rant episode I did. Um, Today, I actually have a subject, though, so it should be kind of interesting. And I want to recap some stuff that went on during the week. Really recap what a great boxing weekend we had. Um, if you guys are boxing fans, I didn't get to watch all the fights. The Shakur Stevenson fight, I didn't watch. I heard the Felix Verhejo fight was really good. And um, I heard Shakur Stevenson did an excellent job. I didn't get to watch the Showtime fights. I heard they were pretty solid as well. But the big fight, the heavyweight fight, Anthony Joshua, the he owns pieces of the heavyweight belts. I don't know if he's the real heavyweight champion. Tyson Fury got a piece of that as well. Against P- P- Pulev. I'm not pronouncing his name right. I'm not even going to try to butcher his first name. But he fought Pulev, a top 10 contender. The man fought Vladimir Klitschko six years ago. Got knocked out, but tried to stay toe-to-toe with him. And hung in there. Got knocked out, though. But you go out like a G, you know. And... Anthony Joshua did his thing. He did his thing. I cannot take anything away from this man in this fight. He was on the cusp after the Andy Ruiz loss of being a Frank Bruno. For those of you who aren't familiar with Frank Bruno, he was an English heavyweight champion back in the 90s. And um, he fought Tyson twice, lost. Had power. Looked like he was carved out of stone. But didn't have the chin. The chin just wasn't there. And for a moment, that moment when, you know, Anthony Joshua had that bad night against Andrew Ruiz, it looked like he could have been going that route. The one thing I will say about the UK and even Europe in general when it comes to boxing, they support their fighters. If they love you, they love you. You could lose, they'll back you. Unlike the United States where... Everybody tends to back off you when you lose. You see with Deontay Wilder how fast they backed off. You in, in the U.S., you make more money being the villain than being the hero. Whereas overseas, mainly the U.K.'s boxing scene is amazing, in my opinion. And you see how they carry it with Anthony Joshua, with um, Billy Joe Saunders, um, with even with Lennox Lewis back in the day. Frank Bruno... Back in the day, Nigel Ben, um, Chris Eubanks, they, they really, Nassim Hamed, they really backed their guys. And Anthony Joshua showed himself. He looked, he showed flashes of Lennox Lewis there to me. Careful, calculating, picked his spots right. Yeah, he got a little anxious with the uppercuts, but, I mean, the guy wasn't defending it. So, hell, just throw them. It's like when you play the video game and you keep just using the same move when somebody's not blocking it. It's part of the game. But um, Anthony Joshua is a legit star in boxing. And I think this fight proved it. Hopefully we get Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. In a sense that Tyson Fury is a, is a star overseas. He's a great talker. He's a huge guy. He looks like a caveman. He's a natural-born fighter. His family were fighters. 
And for the most part, he's undefeated. He does have the draw against Deontay Wilder, which I felt Tyson Fury won that first fight. Redeemed himself in the second, which was really, which was an impressive performance. And Anthony Joshua is a star. Listen, the guy has the look. The girls like him. The men want to be him. He has the power. He has the personality. He's he's a star. He's what Oscar De La Hoya was in the 90s without all the haters. You know, that's Anthony Joshua. Me, my personal favorite in the heavyweight division is Deontay Wilder still. I really do want him to come back. I'm going to support American boxers to, to the best of my ability. You know, he was loud, he was brash, and he had the power to back up what he was saying. Probably not the most skilled that we've seen. I believe he could do better than what we've seen, but he relied. He fell in love with the knockout. Hopefully he could uh, come back. I think he did make a big mistake by dropping Mark Breland. Mark Breland, fellow Brooklynite, great boxer, skill-wise, just boxing technique. And we know Deontay Wilder could do it because we saw it in a couple of fights where if he really wanted to box, he could box. I'm at a crossroads. I'm a huge boxing fan, guys. You're going to hear me talk about boxing a lot here. It might become uh, the gist of a lot of episodes. But I'm a huge boxing fan. And I think the current stage of the heavyweight division now is we're stuck in a scenario where, and this is just my opinion, until it actually happens, I don't know. I'm just giving you my opinion. Where, where we were stuck in the early 2000s in the welterweight division where Vernon Forrest could beat Shane Mosley but Vernon Forrest can't beat Ricardo Mayorga. And Ricardo Mayorga can never beat Shane Mosley. I think, I think this is what we might be stuck with in the heavyweight division now, where Tyson Fury could beat Deontay Wilder. But I don't know if Tyson Fury could beat Anthony Joshua. And I'm still convinced if Deontay Wilder lands a punch on Anthony Joshua, it's over. So I think we're stuck in that merry-go-round of great fights, which leads to great fights, great fighters and great fights. That's just my opinion. Um, but Anthony Joshua showed his stuff. He beat Pulyev. Pulyev was a game. He was a game. But he was just overmatched and overskilled. Had a very upright, I guess what they call Eastern European style, that more Frankensteinish style of boxing where you don't really adjust and you just, you know, very fundamental, but you don't really adjust as the fight goes along. So there's not much variety. You, you get, you see what you get. And his work, the man only had his, up until he lost to Anthony Joshua, only had one loss and that was to Vladimir Klitschko. And we all remember the Vladimir Klitschko era of boxing. It was boring, but he was dominant and he was skilled. But Pulyev was extremely fun to, um, Extremely fundamental boxing skill set. Anthony Joshua was just a better man, better boxer, more powerful, and more versatile. And it showed. Which is going to lead up to my main subject today. I just wanted to recap the boxing. I'm sure there's a lot going on in football and basketball. But um, no groundbreaking news just yet. James Harden's being a diva, I know, in the NBA. But my main subject today... Going off Anthony, the Anthony Joshua and Pulyev fight is the great white hope. 
Why is it so fascinating? In so many areas of entertainment and sports, that there is a great white hope. Now, this, please believe me, this is not a race baiting topic. It is a real topic. If you guys listen to my episode about the segregation era of champions, you would even see the great white hope was something back then, once Jack Johnson and Joe Lewis came into the picture. And I, I can mention guys for days, and not all of them are great white hopes. Some of them are legitimate beasts and, you know, good at what they do. But we've really seen it. I want to say we really first started seeing the great white hope, in my opinion, starting boxing. Again, when the Jack Johnsons and then years later, Joe Lewis. And then after Joe Lewis, Ezra Charles, Jersey Joe Walcott. And then here comes Rocky Marciano. An Italian American, whatever you guys want to consider Italian people, they class most of them classify themselves as white. I personally, you know, classify them as just Italians, but you know, that's what they classify themselves as. I'm not going to get into my semantics about that. Then comes Rocky Marciano, the first white heavyweight champion. Since I want to say the Cinderella man, is it James Broderick? Because you got Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis loses to Ezra Charles. Ezra Charles loses to Jersey Joe Walcott. And then Rocky Marciano beats Jersey Joe Walcott. Cott, excuse me. And that's when the fascination with the great white hope really starts. Again, I don't think Rocky Marciano is the embodiment of that. I don't personally think that. But reading subjects on this topic, you could see why they backed him. Then he retires. He goes 49 and over the magical number, recently broken by Floyd Mayweather, to remain undefeated. I know many of guys have broke it. Cesar Chavez, Yori Boy Campos, they all broke it, but they lost. Floyd Mayweather recently broke that. And... After Rocky Marciano, he retires. Floyd Patterson, I believe, beats Archie Moore. And then comes Ingemar Johansson. Ingemar Johansson beats Floyd Patterson for the title. But I don't really see, and I'm thinking because he wasn't an American, the great white hope sign on him. Maybe there was. I believe he was from Sweden, I want to say. And I didn't I don't know if there was a big thing. Oh, yeah, we have a a white world champion again, heavyweight champion. I remember the heavyweight champion in this time was the big deal. It wasn't like what it was now. And there wasn't eight different champions. Well, technically five different champions. There was one. You were the man who beat the man who beat the man, etc. Ingmar Johansson loses that title. Floyd Patterson. Gains it back. First guy to ever repeat. Become the two-time heavyweight champion. You will not see another American white heavyweight champion. When I'm talking about heavy, I'm talking about lineal. I'm talking about the main title. I'm not talking about WBC, WBO, WBA, IBF. You'll get guys like that. 
but I'm talking about the guys who are following the lineage from John L. Sullivan. You won't see that again. You'll get to Vladimir Klitschko and Tyson Fury, but none of them are American-born white heavyweights. And you don't see that real backing from people, oh, yeah, the great white hope. <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds crazy. It does. I can't really say I ever saw a great white hope in baseball. Baseball has always been, you know, diverse, more Afro-Latino dominant, but you always had a good white American player. And you always had great white players throughout the history of baseball. Football, I can't really say it neither. I, I know the running back position and the, and the wide receiver position was really taken over by more of uh, the black athletes. But I believe we did have a white running back that was um, on the Vikings and the Panthers a few years back. I forgot his name. Peyton something, and he was on Cleveland, I think, too. Mike Allstott was another one. But there was never no real emphasis around it. Where you did see the great white hope scenario come in was with Larry Bird in the NBA. Now, I don't think Larry Bird was... When I hear great white hope, all I think is hyped. A hyped-up guy, like they do in boxing, to push this agenda of, you know, oh, well, we got this guy here beating all the black and Latinos or non who are considered white boxers or, you know, athletes, let me say. But Larry Bird in the 80s becomes the next great white hope. And dude was phenomenal. All you young guys who hear stories about Larry Bird and say, hey, these, these guys in the 80s and 90s can't keep up with these guys today. Trust me, they can. Especially guys like Larry, Magic, Mike, Isaiah. Dominic Wilkins, these guys could keep up with these guys today, but Larry Bird became the poster boy for that. And I don't know if you guys remember the 80s and early 90s too well, but you, you would see a lot of white people rocking the Larry Bird jersey. You know, which I'm sure is not a mantle he wanted to be the great white hope or the face of white basketball or white sports. Now, it's a silly topic. When you think about it, but there's a legit history here. There's a machine, like a cash mechanism machine that comes with this. There's a lot, a lot of cash revenue. Where you will see it fail or when you see it pumped in in sports, Jerry Cooney and Larry Holmes. That was a huge, huge example of the great white hype. I believe they was even based a movie based off of that with uh Damon Wayne's. And you you saw it. You saw how they pumped him up. They put him in there against a uh a prime Larry Holmes, a guy that he wasn't ready for. And Jerry Cooney was a good boxer. But he wasn't that guy. He was a good boxer. He beat Ken Norton. Vicious knockout of Ken Norton. He was legit. He was a tough guy. He was good. But they hyped him. They hyped him to be the hope of, hey, we're going to finally have this great white athlete beat, the, at the time, a primed, undefeated Larry Holmes. 
didn't work. Like Holmes busted him up. Then you get Larry Bird, and Larry Bird does his thing, which I, from what I understand, listening to the documentaries, Larry Bird did not want that mantle. Again, I can't say I ever really saw it in baseball, and I can't say I ever really saw it in football. I'm sure, you know, it seems they, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were really trying to keep that quarterback position from being a mobile position, from evolving to the Michael Vick style or Donovan McNabb style. If you guys remember Donovan McNabb in his early years, that guy was mobile. He could move, but he wanted to prove he could stay in the pocket, and he did. But they wanted more of that prototypical Brett Favre type, Peyton Manning quarterback, the guy who could call the plays and throw. Fortunately, it's an evolving game, and it's evolving. You're getting more mobile quarterbacks from every walks of life. But I can't say I remember a great White Hope scenario there. Maybe Eric Crouch, because he was a mobile quarterback that could throw, catch, and run. Maybe, but I didn't see that like being a big deal. When I when you think when I think of the great White Hope, is people who will come into watching the sport or watching the form of entertainment who normally wouldn't. And the only reason why they're watching it has to do with the man who wears that mantle, maybe not purposely. I know for a fact, watching documentaries about Larry Holmes and George, George, uh, Jerry Cooney, that there were white folks who never watched boxing, who said, hey, I'm going to back this guy because he's an Irish-American, white American, middle class, represents middle class America. <laughs> and they got into it. Same for basketball. Hey, this guy, Larry Bird, he's a white guy. He's a hick. He got the, the 1980s porn star mustache. And look at him play ball. <laughs> he's representing for us. Again, a mantle he did not want. But that's what I think about when I think about the great white hope. And is a great cash, cash cow. Me, a boxer. If I was a white American boxer, I would have ran the Trump train, whether that was my morals or not, just because I know the cash that comes behind it. We see it in the UFC with Colby Covington. How he morphed into this ultimate Trump supporter during the Trump administration. And basically degraded Brazil, the country and, and its fighters and really got mouthy with African-American fighters or fighters of African descent and wants to beat up LeBron James for speaking up for BLM and all that other stuff. So I'm surprised boxing never went behind that and saw it. But we also seen, and I hate to call it the great white hype, but it is in hip-hop. We've seen it with Vanilla Ice. People who wouldn't normally listen to hip-hop music Got into the hip-hop music because of this. Because of this man. And then we've seen it with Eminem. Who lived up to any expectation. And surpassed it. So I'm not, you know, discrediting anything he did. But he brought a lot of people. A lot of white people. Who would normally not be a fan of hip-hop. Into hip-hop. And, you know. 
He ran with it. And again, he earned, like Larry Bird, he earned all the accolades he got and deserve, and he deserves it. But you see the machine and what is America's fascination with this? You know, we're all Americans, but yet there's that like push. Like, oh, my God, there's this I, again, I'm saying this with boxing and basketball because and, you know, other forms of entertainment, too, as in hip hop music, because it's predominantly a non non white dominated sport. And when we got the Eastern Europeans coming into boxing, the Klitsch goes, the um, Kozlovs, the who else was a Tyson Fury. You don't really see that push, I guess, because they're not American. American born or too Americanized. The Costa Zoos come in. There's not that real push to say, oh, wow, we're going to back this guy. Not even when Kelly Pavlik. Kelly Pavlik knocked out Jermaine Taylor, the man who beat Bernard Hopkins. Who you, the, Bernard Hopkins unified the middleweight division for the first time since Marvin Hagler. Jermaine Taylor, the Olympian, beats him. Kelly Pavlik comes in and knocks out Jermaine Taylor. And there wasn't that... There, there probably was, but not a real huge push behind him. As much as there would have been if Jerry Cooney beat Larry Holmes. You know, we see a lot of great Polish fighters that are of Polish descent that actually come from Poland. I know a lot of guys are not going to like to hear this. Andrew Galata was a little a bit of a dirty fighter, but he was talented. And there was recently a heavyweight who was undefeated. He lived in Brooklyn. He was of Polish descent. I forgot his name. Forgive me. I butcher these names. But you don't see that backing. You'll see that backing from their community. Like I went to, back in the early 2000s, I went to Vitaly Klitschko versus Kevin Johnson. And Vitaly Klitschko, an Eastern European man, would be classified as white. Um, B. Kevin Johnson, there was a lot of people from the Ukraine and people from parts of the former USSR. But there wasn't a big white American contingency. And I, I don't know if this is a thing in boxing anymore where there is. Americans don't support their fighters. This is just the truth. I don't care what color you are. When the great white hope comes, maybe. Maybe you'll see. If there's a great white heavyweight coming up, maybe you'll see people start backing him. But you do not see Americans in, in general supporting their fighters. It tends to go by background. Well, Oscar De La Hoya is an American, won the gold medal for the Americans, but is more backed by Mexicans. Um, trying to think of another example. Puerto Rican fighters, Felix Trinidad, Miguel Cotto. Puerto Rican, Americans, citizens by, you know, Commonwealth are more backed by Puerto Rican fight, uh, boxing fans. So you don't really see that. And even in the NBA, you don't really see a great white American basketball player that comes to my mind right now or in years 
I remember back in the 90s, we had Bobby, there was Bobby Sura doing all those crazy dunks. He was in the NBA. Jason Williams came. And you, I mean, you had guys like Dirk Nowinski, Stojakovic. You had those guys, but they weren't Americans. They were German. They were from, I don't, I don't want to say Kosovo. I'm not too sure. But they were from one of those Eastern European countries. So you didn't see that hype come in with them, that hype train come in. As much as you saw with Jason Williams, people back Jason Williams like crazy. On top of that, Eminem is hot on hip hop. And now you got white chocolate coming in. Talented uh, ball player, phenomenal passer and controlled the floor well. But you never saw that. There was that rumble. Like, oh, man, you know, this is there's this white guy on the Sacramento Kings. He's good. You never even saw that with John Stockton, really. And to me, John Stockton is one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. Quiet guy, played on the Utah Jazz. Did his job, wasn't too flashy. Well, really wasn't that flashy, but had great fundamentals and got the job done. You didn't see that, that great white hope mantle put on him like it was on Larry Bird. You know, and Larry Bird was in the grid of it, battling Michael Jordan, battling the Detroit Pistons, battling Magic Johnson and Dominic Wilkins. And, and at the time, the up-and-coming rough-and-tumble Knicks, how the Knicks used to be back in the day. And the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, John Stockton was in the West, in Utah. You know. So maybe that's the reason why. I mean, people do realize how great John Stockton was. But he never got that mantle like Larry Bird did and how they, to me, tried to put it on Jason Kidd. Jason Williams, excuse me. Not Jason Kidd. If I said Jason Kidd, I do apologize. I meant white chocolate Jason Williams who used to play on the Kings. I do apologize for that. I'm not re-recording this. <laughs> so just bear with that mistake if I, if I made that mistake. Um, but I understand the cash value in that title of creating that aura of the great white hope. I just don't understand America's fascination with it. And it could always go back to the plain example. Well, all Americans until somebody that looks more like me comes around. Joe Lewis is the perfect example of that. Joe Lewis beats Max Schmeling in their second fight. The Americans defeat the Nazi. All of America loves Joe Lewis. Up until Billy Kahn comes around. Billy Kahn was an extremely talented light heavyweight champion. But people then forget, hey, you know, Joe Lewis, yeah, he's American, but he's not like me. So is, is that ideology in my mind? And I could be wrong. I'm just making an, assu- an assumption about this. But it's the same law that comes in when people talk about Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was great. Phenomenal, from what I understand. None of us ever seen him in our lifetimes. And you'll still hear a lot of white American baseball fans bring up Babe Ruth. Like, hey, Babe Ruth was great. Ty Cobb was great. None of us were alive, not even our parents. (laughs) But I did get to see Ken Griffey. My father did get to see Roberto Clemente. 
I, I was lucky enough, as much as people make it a scandal as it is now, but I remember the excitement of when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were doing the home run chase to break Roger Maris's record. There have been other guys that, that came and shook up the sport, but it's always that mantle. And it's to me, even like I said, with Babe Ruth, it's kind of like holding on to that. Hey, we had this guy. And he's the, he's going to be the guy that sets the standard. Basketball, you can't have that because nobody can set the standard like Michael Jordan. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Especially particularly for my era. For the younger kids, you probably got, you know, they're going to look more to LeBron James. But for my era, nobody could set the standard like Mike. But I did see it in boxing, particularly in the heavyweight division. I cannot say for any other division, you had great white champions in the other division. You had Ray Mancini. You had, um, I'm trying to think just of American guys, Vinny Paz. Um, Kelly Pavic more recently, as I mentioned. There's so many more, but they were more defined by their origin background than they were being a white American. It's strange how that gets picked up. I know reading from history, Max Baer was a one who tried to uh, deem himself the white champion and the great white hope. Max Baer, who was Jewish, by the way, who faced, you know, discrimination because he was Jewish. But hey, the moment there's a non-white champion, we're going to back, back up Max Baer. So you see it, there was guys, but in the heavyweight division in boxing, you'll see it really often. Not as of late, because I can't say, again, I can't say there's been anyone. Ah, baby Joe Macy, Italian-American fighter. And they would put a lot of stock in him. He was good. He was strong. But, you know, unfortunately, it didn't pan out. He had a, think of like a brain injury. He's okay, but he didn't, you know, pan out the way they wanted him to, to take over the heavyweight division. There was Tommy Morrison, great fighter. You know him as Tommy Gunn from Rocky Fire. But Tommy Morrison, great fighter, skilled. Beat George Foreman. Beat Donovan Razor Ruddick. But then that chin got exposed. And that happens to any fighter of any background. This is not saying, hey, he's a better fighter because he's black or he's a better fighter because he's Hispanic. It's just skill. Tommy Morrison was a specimen at that time. What... Guys like Anthony Joshua were now, and we see like, hey, Tommy Morrison was one of those guys at that time when there wasn't many. And Lennox Lewis was just really coming into the scene as a premier heavyweight. So you had Jerry Cooney. After, after Rocky Marciano goes away, Ingemar Johansson goes away, here comes Jerry Cooney. And you had the Quarry brothers as well in Muhammad Ali's day. But here comes Jerry Cooney. Here comes Tommy Morrison. The Duke. (laughs) Here comes Joe Macy, who didn't pan out no fault of his own. He had suffered an unfortunate injury. Couldn't box no more. In hip-hop, you have vanillices. I don't want to put Eminem in that category, but just the amount of 
white Americans and white people in general that he brought into hip hop and his longevity speaks in volumes that he shouldn't be deemed as the great white hope. He proved us that he's, he's out of that category. But that mantle stood there. You know, it, it's different when it's something like golf. When Tiger Woods went into the picture and you know the history of, of sports being segregated for particularly African-Americans. And here comes Tiger Woods and he's the best golfer in the world for God knows how long. It's different in hockey when it's a predominantly white sport and there's this one African-American or African person, a person of African descent, like Jerome Ingold, uh What's his name? Oh, man, I forgot his name. I was about to say Jerome Iguodala. I think that is his name. Jerome Iguodala comes in and does phenomenal things. So I could understand the backing because of the history of that. Of the the hardship of black athletes and the hardship, you know, in some areas. But when this great white hope thing comes up, it feels more like it's just a production gimmick and people buy into it. It's a propaganda gimmick and people buy into it. That's my take. I could go on the subject for days I'm pretty sure in sports there's more. But, you know, my my thing is boxing. And I could tell you, because I'm a sports fan, and I could point out certain things. This is a big reason why the UFC is so popular and thriving, even though a lot of the fighters that are great tend to come out of Brazil. It tends to be you see more white American fighters be more successful than they would be in boxing. If promoters were smart, and they wanted to build up a white American fighter, they can just by putting the great white hope behind that, his name. And you'll see it in sports throughout history. Again, basketball was Larry Bird, who, again, shattered those expectations. Later, you see it become Jason Williams. Boxing, Jerry Cooney was the, is the perfect example for that. And even Tommy Morrison, even though Tommy Morrison crapped out and had an unfortunate ending to his life, but you see it there. You see it in hip-hop with Vanilla Ice. Now, mind you, at that time, there was no need for a great white hope in hip-hop music because you had the Beastie Boys. You had third base. So you had guys there, but it was that push to say, hey, he's better than the rest. And he doesn't live up to the expectations. Again, Larry Bird did, Eminem did. But a lot of the notice goes to into being, hey, he's the great white hope. They shatter that. But a lot of it goes into that. Tell me what you guys think about my topic today. I could talk about, again, this for days. I want you guys to give me topics. Agree to disagree. Disagree, call me out if I made an error. I'm pretty solid on my boxing knowledge. I do have to brush up on a lot of stuff here and there. So I know I'm not going to make too many mistakes going through the history of it. I'm terrible with numbers. 
But, you know, just let me know. Feel free to hit me up. Guys, please, please, please. And topics are about to get really spicy, as she likes to say. Check out the Six Degrees of Ebbs podcast. I was on the last episode. So not only do you get to hear her beautiful voice, but you get to hear my velvety smooth peanut buttery voice on her podcast as well and great topics she uh she did her whole first season based on the office she's going into other topics more controversial topics more topics affecting people's day-to-day lives it's going to be awesome and she's smart she writes out her, her episodes i don't i just do this off the top of my dome so <laughs> any errors i make i could just get caught up in doing it I will be trying to do my episodes consistently on Monday if there is a huge event happening. I'll try to speak on it and make a podcast the next day. I haven't been getting as much listeners as I wanted. I can't lie. It kind of discouraged me, but I said, hey, I'll just use this as a personal diary. Maybe when I'm old, man, I'll listen to it and hear my voice of me being younger, you know, but it's fine. Listen, guys, give me feedback. Give me topics to talk about, because if not, I could talk about boxing all day. And and WWE and all that other stuff. So give me topics, guys. Uh, if I have to brush up on it, I'll brush up on it. Thank you for listening. Again, check out the Six Degrees of Ebbs podcast, please. And thank you guys for listening. Give me your feedback on the great white hype or great, quote-unquote, great white hope in sports and in entertainment. As always, I'm Luis Ramos. Thank you. So, what did you think of the Life with Louie podcast? I love it, I love it, I love it. Thank you, Lord. He closes the show like the champion he is.